Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 128 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Spring has finally sprung. Happy spring to you. And yeah, a belated uh, happy birthday yeah. to him as well. Happy birthday, yeah. It's always great that my birthday, March 19th, it's right around the beginning of spring. And that's that's sort of, a, it's a mark for me that I'm, I know that I'm getting through the end of winter. We're almost there. There's some light at the end of the tunnel. Unfortunately, in Newfoundland, happy spring doesn't have the sort of same <laughs> connotation because we don't really have spring. We just I sort see. of have a lot of snow and then it's June and then it's summer. (laughs) Uh, But but yes, I'm very happy that it is spring. We do get a little bit of spring like weather, which Mm -hmm. is nice. So, but Rick, what what this also means is March 19th yesterday. It's the beginning of March madness. And Rick, as you know, uh, March madness college basketball tournament, number 15, Oral Roberts beat the number two seed, Ohio state. In their matchup, oh, seventy-five to seventy-two. What an upset, Rick! And I know that you were watching that. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. were you were was with bated breath in tears. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was a it was a tremendous upset, and uh, one of uh, two, three, or four on the day. So, Rick, this is all to say that the tournament March Madness is finally here. The brackets have been set, and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. Wow. But if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. You just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all all of this week's action download the DraftKings app now enter code THPN during sign up and enter the free one million dollar survivor pool again that is code THPN to enter into DraftKings free 
$1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restriction, restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So, Rick, uh, THPN, and of course. The Hockey yeah. Podcast Network. Yes. We're, pr- we're a proud affiliate, and uh, I, was, I was pretty proud to be on... Um, Catfish on Ice. It's the yeah. Nashville uh, edition of the podcast. And uh, Chad and Rich, the hosts, were very gracious and uh, invited me on to talk about Shea Weber, of course, talk about yes. uh, the North, uh, the exciting North. They wanted an update and the can- on the Canadian division. So um, had a great time. Uh, great guys and uh, and really enjoyed it and, uh, and catch... Um, all the the hockey um, podcast networks uh, podcasts, um, and uh, go to the hockeypod net, um, network dot com. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to miss any of the uh, great shows that are affiliated with the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, so, Rick, with that said, will we dive into the week that was for the Montreal Canadiens and uh, discuss some of the themes that emerged this week? We'll, we'll begin with the games the Montreal Canadiens played. This week, and before we say anything, if you want to check out some comprehensive post-game reviews for all four games that we're about to talk about, head over to allhabs.net. And my fine co-host here, Rick Stevens, has written those post-game reviews with quotes, statistics, shots on goal, all those sorts of things that you come to expect from the great post-game reviews on allhabs.net. Written uh, with Rick, tears and love, you know, tears and love. Yeah, everything, you know, it's just it's like you know a perfect recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Just a little bit of love in there. Uh, but we'll begin last week, uh, last Saturday night. Uh, the Canadians were facing off with the Calgary Flames again. This was the second game of a two-game set, and the Canadians lose that one three to one. Sean Monahan scored two in the first en route to that victory. Uh, so the Montreal Canadiens a little bit jaded as they headed on to a, a two-game set with the Winnipeg Jets. There were some promises that were made and some promises that were kept because the Canadians rebounded nicely with a win over the Jets. Josh Anderson was great on the night. Carey Price with 34 saves en route to a 4-2 victory over the high-powered Winnipeg Jets. So then you fast-forward to Game 2 of that series against the Jets, and the Jets do get their revenge with an OT win. The Canadians clawed back in the third with goals from Gallagher and Toffoli, but an odd starting trio in OT... Uh, That that cost the Canadians, and uh, we'll be getting into that storyline in just a a little bit. And then you have last night's Friday night game against the Vancouver Canucks, and a similar story emerged. The Canadians, uh, they tied it late with a beautiful goal from Nick Suzuki, uh, but an underwhelming overtime period for the Canadians. They lose that one 3-2, and yeah, clawing back in the third period to even the score, get to overtime. Unfortunately, they're on the other end of another overtime loss. Uh, It is now 0-9 on the season for the Montreal Canadiens in overtime in the shootout, uh, which will be a topic of discussion. (laughs) We will be discussing for the third week in a row. We're going to be discussing (laughs) overtime. Yeah, we have to. to. There's no other way around it, and Mm -hmm. we will be getting to that later on but rick uh four games this week the canadians win one of them they get points out of two of them so they're they're gaining points you know they're they're getting points those overtime points uh but those extra ones it feels like it's going to cost the montreal canadians at some point we're going to get to that discussion in a little bit but what were your thoughts out of this week for the montreal canadians 
Well, um, it, there there was the 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 half glass full side who were saying, well, you know, they they got a point. Uh, they got a point. They got a point. Yeah. Um, wasn't it last year we were talking about 71 points in 71 games for a 24th place finish? Now, the Canadians aren't there. Uh, (laughs) but had they, you know, had they gotten one point out of, out of each game, uh, it's, uh, it's just simply not enough. And, and I think, uh, you heard Nick Suzuki and we'll talk, uh, we'll hear him, uh, a little bit later, but, uh, heard him say, um, we've got to start winning some of these games. Um, yeah. Uh, the the one point's nice, but we have to start winning. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into a conversation about the overtime and shootouts uh, in just a little bit. But Rick, uh, we'll move on to my weekly column that I put out on allhabs.net every week. Every Sunday it drops uh, on allhabs.net. Great. Last column. week, uh, thank you, thank you for the kind words. Last week, Carrie uh, Price walked away with my first star of the week last week and. There was really no other choice. It had to be Carey Price because he had played so magnificently uh, over that stretch of games. And uh, what, over five games at a 952, 953, something like that in the 950s. There was, what, three or four games he had, the save percentage of the 960s. Like, he was playing incredibly. There was no other choice uh, for my first star of the week last week. He was joined by Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie faces of the franchise i mean those are the guys that you've relied on this season jeff petrie uh he was hurt a little bit in my in my three stars last week because he had a couple rough performances against calgary but hey he scored scored the lone goal last saturday night and he's continued to put up points for the canadians but yeah carrie price it had to be him (laughs) there was no other choice great picks all three and and yeah price has had an incredible uh march um and uh and and you know, uh, been in each and every game and and has been ju- just outstanding. And I don't think anybody uh, can complain about uh, his play at all. No, certainly not. And goaltending, as we've talked about, and especially uh, Jake Allen last night, it's been clear that goaltending has not been the problem for the Montreal Canadiens in any way, shape, or form, either Carey Price or Jake Allen. Uh, but yeah, it was a great week for Carey Price, and he's continued his fine play. And we'll be getting into... A uh, new wrinkle, a new element that has been added to the Montreal Canadiens in a little bit uh, in Sean Burke. We'll, we'll get to that in, in just a, a few moments from now. But, Rick, we'll begin with the Ben Sherratt story because that was one that we touched on last week where we didn't really have all of the information at that point in time. We knew that he was injured. We knew he was going to be reevaluated. He has since been evaluated. He had surgery on his right hand. Um to repair a fracture and uh, he's going to miss six to eight weeks of action. So that is a pretty substantial loss for the Canadians. We know that he's been a guy that's emerged to play alongside Shea Weber. That's has the trust of the coaching staff and that is no longer an option for this foreseeable future. Well, and um, uh, you know, who knew that, that the organization would miss Ben Sherratt so much. Uh, he's yeah. <laughs> al- always been kind of a placeholder, kind of a fill in kind of a, there's no uh, top left-handed uh, uh, playmaking uh, defenseman. Uh, so Ben's kind of uh, stepped in, but he's fulfilled the, the role uh, yeah. adequately beside uh, Shea Weber. And now things have been kind of, termed uh, upside down uh, with his loss and um, when when it, the um, the news came out that it would be six to eight weeks uh, there's a big difference between six or eight 
Uh, yeah. Six has him back for a, a handful of games in that important series against the Leafs uh, to end the regular season. Eight means that he uh, returns for the first round of the playoffs, and uh, but it, it the difference there has huge cap implications. Um, and it sounds like uh, in in the presser we had this week from Mark Bergevin, uh, Dr. Bergevin thinks that it's closer to six uh, than eight. We'll talk about that more uh, once we get yeah. to the second segment. That'll be our big topic. We'll be diving into some of those quotes that came out of that uh, media availability from Mark Bergevin, where he did touch on Ben Chirot. So that'll be coming up in segment number two. Uh, Rick, some some news surrounding the ever the revolving door that sort of exists for the Montreal Canadiens players going back and forth to the taxi squad back and forth through waivers up and down it's sort of been the case for every team in the NHL this year uh, but Paul Byron he cleared waivers on Wednesday um Paul Byron didn't he was he was surprised uh he didn't like being on waivers the first time around one bit I don't yeah. think I don't imagine he liked it any better the second time around <laughs> Uh, but he made it through, and and his contract, of course, being uh, the thing that saves him each time. Um, but but the clock started again, uh, and uh, and now it allows the Canadians to put uh, Paul Byron on that taxi squad without fear of losing him uh, to save a cap that they'll desperately need toward the end of the season. Yeah, so that's going to be a situation to, to keep your eye on uh, going and, forward. And we should say that it was a week where we saw players picked up off yep. the uh, waiver wire. Jimmy VC, who was in the lineup last night for Vancouver, being being one of the prime ones getting picked up from uh, the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And that was, of course, very interesting because there's a Can- uh, Canadian's connection there. He was put on waivers because of the emergence of Alex Galchenyuk and his play in the AHL. So he was a part of that situation. But yeah, I mean, you did see that this week. It it does happen. But for Paul Byron, fortunately for the Canadians, his contract is such that uh, not many teams would be willing to take that on. (laughs) But we'll move on. Uh, Rick, as I said, Sean Burke, uh, he participated in his first practice in his new role on Friday. Uh, so you saw some footage of him working with Carey Price, getting uh, Charlie Lindgren was in there as well, putting passes on the tape for Sean Burke. So it, it's good to have him in the fold now and, and working in, in that sort of personal role with Carey Price. He's been involved, of course, while he was uh, participating in his quarantine, uh, yeah. being involved in the Zoom calls uh, with uh, with the, the goaltenders, with Marco Marciano, who has been on the ice up from Lavelle, uh, taking uh, Sean Burke's place uh, while he completes that quarantine. Uh, but Friday, as you said, was the first time he was on the ice. Sean Burke is being uh, credited already with uh, the, the, the change in, in Carey yeah. Price, although uh, we don't necessarily buy into that particular theory but it, it's I mean Sean Burke has a has a nice manner about him and I think he'll work very well with Price and the other the, the other goaltenders as well absolutely and and I mean he has that reputation that precedes him as being a, a sort of a goalie whisperer as we talked about in recent weeks but yeah I mean when you think about it the the level of, of, of play in Carey Price's game I mean it, it, it goes back to the firing 
of Claude Julian and some adjustments that were made by Dominique Ducharme to make the Canadians a little bit more organized in their own zone. And Stefan Waite touched on that when we when we heard from Stefan Waite a couple of weeks back and even last week a little bit too, that that's been all helping Carey Price just focus on trying to stop some pucks. And he's been doing a fine job of that. Uh, but Rick, we'll, we'll move on because there's a member of the Canadians organization who reached a milestone this week. Uh, they, uh, he was celebrated last night. Habs equipment manager Pierre Gervais, he, rec- he was recognized for 3,000 NHL games. Boy, oh boy, that's a lot of games. <laughs> that's a lot of games. And I, I've, I've had the pleasure to uh, know fairly well uh, a few equipment managers. These guys are the hardest working guys in the business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they see everything. They know everything. Um, and that tribute last night, uh, the tribute video, certainly brought Pierre Gervais to tears. Uh, yeah. But, and why wouldn't it? You had a whole... A list of uh, well, there was the current players. Price spoke, yep. and Shea Weber spoke, and and uh, you had uh, former general managers in Serge Savard and Bob Gainey. You had yeah. former players in Alex Kovalev, and I'm sure you appreciated Saku yeah. Koivu. Uh, it was good to see him as well. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but he's uh, you know Pierre Gervais has been there for it all, seen it all. Um, and it uh, it's been joked that uh, players are willing to pay him not to write a book when he retires <laughs> from the game of hockey. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's got some stories to tell, I, I'd imagine. So uh, it's probably for the best. Maybe it's for the best that we don't know all the stories. That's uh, right. But yeah. <laughs> But Rick, we'll move on. But uh, of course, extend congratulations to Pierre Gervais. That's uh, quite an accomplishment. Uh, that is, that's pretty incredible. Uh, we'll move on to a Habs prospect report because last week we talked about Cole Caulfield being nominated for the Big Ten Player of the Year award. Uh, he was named the Big Ten Player of the Year this week, and he capped it off uh, with a pretty remarkable performance that was all over social media. Had Habs fans uh, very, very excited. Well, in the uh, semifinal game um, against Penn State, uh, Caulfield scored late uh, to tie the game uh, and then got the game winner uh, in overtime. Um, and so you can add uh, you can add clutch to, to his yeah. uh, resume, <laughs> I would say. Uh, so that uh, that gave uh, Wisconsin, the University of Wisconsin Badgers a berth into uh, the, the final. Uh, they lost that game against uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Um, but that doesn't mean it's the end of the season for the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, we don't know for sure the way things work in, in NCAA hockey. Um, you have the automatic, there's 16 teams into the regionals uh, and then leading to the Frozen Four. Um, six of those teams are already set. Then there's the 10 at-large teams. And it's it's... It's likely, it's very likely that the Badgers will be there and that Cole Caulfield will continue his season, but we won't know that for sure. It won't be confirmed until the selection uh, show tomorrow night on uh, that Sunday night on ESPN. But but uh, let's yeah. let's assume that Cole Caulfield will continue um, uh, playing hockey in the NCAA in that regional tournament. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll see how far he goes in that. So it'll be, it'll be a while before he's eligible, um, to play any games with the Canadians organization, let's say. 
Yeah, and that, that's something that you're definitely going to want to keep your eyes on uh, to see if, if they are one of the teams, if the Badgers are one of the teams that are selected. But yeah, it's uh, there was a lot of talk about Cole Caulfield from that performance in the semifinals. And, you know, it's it's the, the thing that I want to come back to. just want to make a point of saying this very quickly. It's, it's a lot of conversation about comparing Cole Caulfield to somebody else, to prolific goal scorers and saying, well, he's got elements of this guy and that guy. I think we'd all be best served if we just let Cole Caulfield be Cole yeah. Caulfield. Yeah. You know, like, because any second, you know, saying that anyone is the second coming of any other player, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because it's always going to be an imitation of somebody else. So that's just the one thing I wanted to say because there's a lot of conversation about Cole Caulf- Caulfield and justifiably so. He's been great. Big 10 player of the year. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But let's just... Let's just play it by ear and let him be who he is rather than say that he is somebody else. Like that that's the kind of thing that I just wanted to say very quickly. But obviously, so, congratulations. I shouldn't say he's like Alex DeBrincat then. No, you no, probably shouldn't. shouldn't. No. You probably shouldn't. Uh you probably Kyle shouldn't Connor. do that. But Kyle Connor, if hey, I No. No. <laughs> no. no. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. We should probably deviate from this course we'll uh, because he, it we'll, gets we'll hear somebody compare him to Kyle Connor a little later in oh. the show. We will. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I think I no, I'm <clears throat> I'm I'm agreeing a hundred percent with you. Um a hundred percent because we don't want to we want uh, we don't want to affect those expectations of, yeah. of what Cole Caulfield's and, going to be. And we saw some there were some comparisons to Brett Hall. There was oh some goodness. conversation that he might be a generational talent that emerged a couple weeks back. These are all things that I think if we just address these right now and say that those are things that yes, you know, it's great to be excited about a prospect, but these are unreasonable things to sort of stack on top of each other right. before guys even played a pro game. That's the one thing that I want to get across here. Comparisons are going to happen, but let's be realistic about them and let's let let the guy figure it out. Uh, but yes, as you Perfect. said, so the the Badgers lost the Big Ten championship to Golden Gophers. The Frozen Four regional participants are going to be selected on Sunday. So Rick, you talked about. Him, potentially Cole Caulfield, that is joining the Canadians organization. Another guy that you're looking at right now that could potentially be joining uh, the Canadians organization is Jordan Harris. Uh, now that his NCAA season is complete. Northeastern is going north no further. So um, Struble and, and Jordan Harris uh, uh, aren't playing hockey uh, for their uh college anymore but jordan harris uh sportsnet i guess it, it was reported uh that he has been offered uh, a contract uh with two options um by the montreal canadians organization um and he is certainly mulling that over and we may hear as soon as sunday on on uh news on that um and you know there's an option for him to uh go to the american hockey league uh, there's a, an option for him to sign his ELC. Um, so we'll see how that all turns out. I can see him, um, uh, and, and, and the way this, this would probably work is him joining, uh, Laval for, um, you know, uh, three, four games and kind of get his feet wet and, and the organization allowing to, uh, take a, a closer look at him. Um, and then the, you, you have to think that the Canadians feel that he might be an upgrade, even yeah. even as he is now over Xavier Ouellette, over uh, Victor Mete. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's, I, that seems to be the direction that this is going in. Yeah, and I mean, it's, 
it's an interesting one because yeah, you as a as a fan of a team, as you know, fans get excited about the addition of these guys coming from college, coming from junior, and and maybe think that they could be upgrades over guys like an Xavier Ouellette, who we've seen and you've touched on. We there's been a lot of conversation about Ouellette and uh, his roaming nature out on the ice in the defensive zone. So potentially it could be, and that'll be an interesting thing to see if uh, if that might come to pass as you suggested it might. Uh, but yeah, it'll be uh, be fun to watch for sure. One thing, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, who's Jordan Harris for those uh, who don't know? Tw- yeah. He's 20 years old. He was uh, drafted in the third round in 2018. Uh, he played 19 games this past season uh, for Northeastern. He had uh, six goals and 13 assists. Uh, so point of game pace uh, for him this yeah. season. But, uh, but all reports are he had a, an excellent season with North Northeastern. And we remember him back on the uh, World Junior team, uh, not this past World Junior, but the one before that. Uh, he had a goal, and uh, remember the celebration that uh, went viral because he, <laughs> he slipped a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> his season was better than that celebration, is what you're saying. Uh, but anyways, Rick, we'll move on because we'll we'll stick with the Laval Rocket here for a moment. And uh, Ryan Paling, he's starting to heat up a little bit. A little bit. Um, <laughs> he's had uh, six points in the last three games. Um, overall, 10 points in 13 games, and he's tied for the scoring lead for Lavelle. Um, I believe it's with, no, let me check that. I think it's with Jordan Wheel. Yeah, I'm right on that. Um, your friend, Jordan Wheel. Mm-hmm. And um, more interesting, I guess, for Canadians fans is he scored the OT winner uh, the other night. Which, um, you know, nobody on the Montreal Canadiens can say that this (laughs) season. So Ryan Paling has something uh, on his win column that they don't. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe that would be, uh, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they just need Ryan Paling and they can win a game in overtime. Uh, Maybe that's what they need. Uh, But Rick, this is all to say that uh, we want to be sure that our listeners uh, listen and subscribe to the Press Zone Montreal. Yourself and Amy Johnson do a wonderful job of covering Habs prospects, the Laval Rocket, on that podcast. Uh, So definitely check that out. It is worth the listen. Um, Rick, we'll move on because we had a pair of quotes this week, and, and it's a very interesting part of when you add guys to a room and see what the sort of, how, how they come together sort of thing. Because we've seen with the addition of, of a Corey Perry, you sort of expect that he's going to bring an element of leadership. But we also heard from Josh Anderson. And Rick, we'll begin with Corey Perry because it seems as though that there's been an expansion of this leadership group for the Montreal Canadiens. And bringing in a guy like Corey Perry who's won a Stanley Cup and has certainly got a, a full resume of, of yep. accomplishments, that's, that's a guy that you expect to be a leader uh, on a team. And, and he's certainly been that. No, I, I've, I've liked the way we've been playing. And, you know, we, we showed that we can play with the, with the big teams. And, um, you know, we, we are a deep team. We're, we're a four-line hockey team. We have six, six D-men that can play each and every night and uh, two, two goalies that, that are world-class. So, um, you know, I like where we are, and uh, we just got to go out and prove it. I think that's a that's a that's a veteran. Uh, that's a guy who's had a lot uh, of experience in the NHL, uh, and he's saying, "I like my team, um, and I, I like who." And he he talked about being deep, talked about being four lines, talked about the goaltending, but he said, 
the next step, and I think this is an important point that's going to come up later. Uh, now we have to prove it. We're great yeah. on paper, but prove it. Uh, yeah. And that's a challenge to himself, to his team. And, and uh, I think that was, uh, that was a leadership kind of uh, statement that he made right there. And I mean, that's a guy that he's been in those situations before. I mean, for the large part of the, the, for the vast majority of his time in Anaheim, those were competitive teams. It was just near the end of, of his time with the Anaheim Ducks. He started to see a, a decline in their performance. Then he joins the Stars, right? And like you're thinking, what can Corey Perry bring to a team like the Dallas Stars? And well, you saw it in the, in the playoff bubble, right? Like this is a guy that has been through these battles and he knows how a team works and when they need to hear certain things. And Corey Perry right there, I think, put a challenge down to his teammates and to everybody involved to uh, to say that this is the time that we need to go out and prove that we're this team, that we're this good at what we do. And another guy that made that type of a promise, right? You have two games against the Calgary Flames. And, you know, you look at the Calgary Flames and they make a coaching change. You're, you're sort of expecting that they're going to be tough games to play against. And you have a guy like Josh Anderson after those two tough losses, and and he comes out and he makes a promise about the performance that they're going to bring to the table against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, these next two games are are very important for for our team. You know, the last two, uh, I don't think we were in, engaged in the game where we should have been. The communication wasn't there, the support wasn't there, and those are the things that you know when we do that we have success. So. Um, you know, I can guarantee you tomorrow um, everyone's going to be flying out there and ready to go because we have to. I mean, uh, the points are getting so tight right now, and, um, you know, these next two games are going to be very important before we go back at home. Now, there's been all kinds of, of players in history that have guaranteed things, and some have worked out yeah. and some, some haven't, <laughs> but they are the, the leaders of, of a team that, that, that do that. And, and Josh Anderson made a guarantee – and then he he absolutely followed through himself. Yeah. Uh, had a goal and and an incredible play to set up another uh, goal, um, and 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 uh, you know was was uh, an example for his team, uh, and followed it up. It, it was um, I think uh, an emerging leader on the Montreal Canadiens, Josh Anderson. And I think he's been he's been a vocal guy since he got here because remember after the first game against the Leafs. And that was a tough loss to stomach for the Montreal Canadiens because it felt like they were in control for most of that game. And Josh Anderson came out and said after the game, we were the better team. We were the better team tonight. And they they won the game, but we were the better team. And this is why I think this isn't surprising that you're you're hearing this. You're hearing a guy come out and make a promise like that and then deliver that. Man, that was a beautiful diving play that got the Canadians out and running like without that play. I mean, that could go a completely that game could go a completely different direction. But he got the Canadians going with that play and, and Kakanyami was the beneficiary. But I mean, it was a great play from Josh Anderson and he kept his promise. He, he, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He, indeed, he did. It was, uh, you know, and, and on the other hand, you see a guy diving like that to set up. It's it's a bit deflating for the, the Jets on the other side. Yeah. So, um, that, and and you know he had tried in the Calgary series. He went up against uh, Milan Lucic, uh, and and sparked his yeah. team to a certain extent, getting goal there. But but uh, to come out, make a guarantee, follow through. The Canadians get the win. Uh, it was a uh, it, it was a, a memorable moment this past week. Absolutely, and a, and a good story, a great story actually. Uh, but Rick, we'll, we'll move on because with this 
with the injury from Ben Chirot, we touched on it earlier, there's been adjustments that have been made to the Canadians' defensive pairing. Some of them have worked out pretty well for those involved. Brett Kulak and, and, and Jeff Petrie have been what you what you saw for the most part in the bubble in Toronto. They've, they've been pretty good. Um, others have struggled to gel a little bit. Uh, and and it sort of it makes it clear that the Canadians do need Ben Chirot, and he's become a, a valuable piece, at least as a placeholder at the at the bare minimum. I mean, he's been a guy that has stepped into that role, that has gained the trust of the coaching staff and his teammates. Uh, and without him, you you notice that there is just a little bit of unsteadiness, a little bit. For sure, and um, you know the, the the Mark Bergevin has talked about depth. Um, right from the start of the season uh, and and has preached depth. But it's more depth up front. Uh, the Canadians have always have, have been throughout the season a little thin on the back end. And now uh, that problem has been exacerbated with, with yeah. Sherrod out. And we saw uh, them trying a few things. We saw... Um, uh, Victor Mate come into the lineup on the third pair. That didn't seem to work. They they tried Romanov with um, uh, Shea Weber. That didn't that that might work at some point yeah. in the future. Didn't work uh, uh, at this juncture. And and uh, so the next option was to bump everybody up uh, in in Kulak with Petrie and uh, Edmondson with Shea Weber and. Um, mm, well, has that worked? I, I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been moments there's been moments where Joel Edmondson has looked okay. There's been moments where they haven't looked that great as a defensive pair. They've looked like a, a couple of guys that haven't played that much together. Then that's exactly what they are. So it's a little bit tough to ask everyone to move up that one step, even though in theory it shouldn't be. Uh, it is and. It's it's tough to build chemistry that way, and the only reason why Kulak and Petrie have, have looked somewhat serviceable is because they had that chemistry dating back to the bubble, and of course, in the entire tenure, Brett Kulak has played a lot with Jeff Petrie, so there's chemistry there that existed before this. For Joel Edmondson, it's it's a little bit tough to ask him to move up to Shea Weber, and for Weber, it's... You know, that's not the ideal partner for Shea Weber. Joel Edmondson, like Ben Sherrod isn't the ideal partner for Shea Weber. So Joel Edmondson is is certainly not the ideal partner for Shea Weber. But here is Weber describing the style of play of Joel Edmondson. Yeah, obviously played with him last game. Um, really don't know uh, how we're going to be going forward. But um, obviously a, a very similar guy to, to Ben in the fact that he's really solid and uh, physical and, and moves the puck well. And obviously Ben's going to be missed. He's a, he's a big part of our back end, but it also gives a chance for more guys to step up and play bigger minutes and, and produce a little bit more for us. So I think with that statement, um, yes, Edmondson is similar, uh, although a little less mobile than, than Ben yeah. Sherratt. Um, and 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 uh, Edmondson had the the benefit of of being the guy that stays back when he was paired with with Petrie, um, and now has to play a little bit different role, a role he may not yeah. be uh, comfortable with uh, with uh, Shea Weber. Um, but the interesting part for me in that statement from Shea Weber is yes, I was paired with Edmondson uh, last game, and actually it's gone on to be a couple of games. But he added, we don't know where, how it's going to work out going forward, meaning 
uh, the the discussion is that they're going to try out some things and and yeah. they're not set on the pairings that we're seeing right now at least uh, according to Shea Weber uh, that um, that there's probably some tinkering that's going to happen yet yeah and that brings naturally the discussion because yeah you can you can try some different pairings of, of what exists currently on your roster but that 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 brings the discussion to well should the Montreal Canadiens make a move for a defenseman if Ben Sherrod is going to be out for the length of time that he's expected to be out six to eight weeks I mean that's a that's a big chunk of your season uh, so is that a reasonable option? And Mark Bergevin touched on it. We're going to get to it in the second segment. But yeah, that's that's the question now. Is that is that the direction? Is that the avenue the Canadians should go to try to improve this? And um, as we said, the, the ideally um, in the off season, we talked about this in the off season that Joel Edmondson wasn't the guy that we thought that the the that Mark Bergevin would be bringing in. We thought it would yeah. be a puck moving. Uh, left-handed top-pairing defenseman who could play with Shea Weber. That wasn't on um, Mark Bergevin's shopping list. Instead, he went out and got a second second or third-pairing guy in Joel Edmondson, and he got another rugged guy. And I understand you're building for the playoffs. The rugged defensemen like uh, Weber, Sherratt, Edmondson have much more value in the playoffs um, and and that's that's I think where where Mark Bergevin's eye is towards. But you have to get there first, and yeah. and really could have used a, a, a puck moving defenseman um, to pair properly with Shea Weber and and give him. Um, um, I don't think he's had a, a true top pairing defenseman uh, since he's been with the organization to play with. He he always has to do a little more. He also, always yeah. has to play, you know, one and a half or one and a quarter or one and three quarters of his role um, to, to make up for his partner. And uh, and so that's why naturally fans are thinking about, you know, who else could fill in? Um, there's been some names tossed out by the French media. I'm not sure that those are, are all that realistic in, in uh, uh, Gabranson and, and David Savard. Uh, but the name that comes up most, we've all heard it, Matthias, uh, Matthias Ekholm. Um, but the Canadians are, even if Mark Bergevin was inclined that way, they wouldn't be the only ones in hot pursuit. Yeah, uh, The Jets could use an Ekholm. Uh, the Leafs might even be able to use an at home. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the, and outside of the Canadian division, Philadelphia, Boston, um, I, I think that uh, I think he's going to be moved, uh, much to the consternation of the, the Nashville fans. Uh, but I think that uh, David Poyle is going to get a pretty good return from Matthias Ekholm. Yeah, you'd have to say, you'd have to imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see where exactly he lands, but. Uh, Rick, we'll move on because, as we said, we wanted to devote some time to talk about overtime for the third week in a row. Uh, so, why would we talk Canadians, about it for three weeks in a row? Yeah, I, why? <laughs> why exactly are we doing this right now? And it's a, it's a valid question. Um, but Rick, this week the Canadians fell to zero and nine on the season in overtime and the shootout, and. When you look at the games, these opponents that they've played for these overtime games, when I looked at it today, five of those nine games came against the Ottawa Senators or the Vancouver Canucks. 
five out of nine of them against those teams. Three came against Winnipeg and one came against Toronto. But the five against Ottawa and Vancouver, that's the one that's interesting to me. Because those are teams that you can you can contend with those teams. Like those are teams that should not be like above your weight class in terms of it gets to three on three overtime or the shootout that are that much better than you that you just can't compete with them. Th- those aren't those teams. The Jets and the and the and the and the Leafs are. The ice opens up for them. You're in trouble. But that was the thing for me, and I wanted to make a point of saying that five out of nine of those games, you don't even get greedy with it. Say if you get three. Say you get three out of five. Three and six record. That makes a difference. Like Absolutely. that makes a difference for the Canadians right now. That's three extra points in the standings that you would have. So that's the part that I've been looking at more than anything else because the game against the Winnipeg Jets earlier, uh, the one, uh, the four three loss, you claw back in the third period, right? Like that's one where you say, okay, we got a point out of that. We we clawed back in the third period. We'll take the point in this one. It's not ideal, but you take it. But that's easier to do if you take care of business against the Ottawa Senators with two games against them in overtime or the shootout or three against the Vancouver Canucks. You take care of one or two of those. It's easier to stomach these losses in overtime or the shootout against the Jets and the Leafs if you can get a couple of those results flipped. That's the thing that's been frustrating looking back on this season, especially the Ottawa part of it. Like the Vancouver, a little bit more, you can explain that one away a little bit easier. But the Ottawa part of it, that's the part that I think is going to come back to bite the Montreal Canadiens. But Mark Bergeron doesn't want to hear that because they're no. one of 31 no. teams <laughs> and, and don't criticize the Ottawa Senators because no. we heard that. I wouldn't dare dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the interesting thing, uh, and, and that's a great point um, uh, for me, um, now this is, this is being, you know, not all the, the overtime games, this uh, overtime and shootout games this season uh, have been under uh, Dom Ducharme. No. Uh, but he's owned this now because um, he's continuing the the, the strategy, uh, or or at least his strategy doesn't look a whole lot different from that employed by uh, Claude Julian. Um, it, it's interesting to me, and and this isn't you know this isn't just this year. Zero uh, and nine, as we said in in overtime and shootouts, but. Um, TSN Stats Center put out uh, that over the last three seasons, Montreal has lost 22 times in three-on-three overtime. Wow. With, with just 12 <laughs> wins. That's the most by any team in, th- wow. in the past yeah. three years. Um, so this is, this is a, an ongoing issue, and now it's one that, that Dom Ducharme owns. Uh, he has coached uh, 12 uh, he's been the head coach uh, in the NHL for 12 games. Five of those have gone beyond regulation. Yeah. Um, so, but but you you know he has said uh, when he came in, uh, he didn't want to overwhelm the players. He didn't want to give them too much uh, all at once. He was going to implement his system over a period of time. He's going to give them one thing to work on, let them absorb that, then introduce something else and something else and something else. So maybe, yeah. maybe um, he hasn't got to implementing his overtime. <laughs> you know, that's that's, that's yeah, it could that's, be that's, that's logical, reasonable. Well, logical let's, explanation. Let's ask him. Okay. I don't know if it's you this morning that asked me if we were done uh, with putting everything in place. One of the last thing we had to do and we're not quite done is face off. 
Oh, was that you that asked him earlier this morning? Um, Yeah, no. (laughs) But what he said there, his system's in. Everything except face-offs, and Lord, please help him to implement face-offs. Uh, although it's been, th- no, I should say it's been, it was decent last night, and it's been better yeah. lately. Uh, but his system is in, including overtime. Uh, yep. Everything has been implemented in the Dom Ducharme way, except face-offs, and, and those, are, those are still a work in progress. Uh, so this this is this is done. This is a done deal, and what we're seeing is what he wants it to be. He's making a choice. His his starters in overtime. That's that's all by design. Um, mm-hmm. That's not left over. That's not just left over from Julian. That's something that he's he's mapped it out, and uh, and that's exactly as he wants it to be. Yeah. So, with that said. What exactly happened in that 4-3 overtime loss to the Winnipeg Jets? Here's Dominic Ducharme on that. I wish that uh, we had 5-on-5 five five, uh, overtime. Obviously, we want to win every game, and we want to take those situations. And like I said, I, I thought we were just on the verge there. We had a great chance. We retrieved the puck. We were just on the verge to build something uh, something even stronger there with the change and fresh guys and attacking guys that are tired and I thought I thought we attacked at the right time and uh, I think our guys realize where we panic at times and where we get impatient and we open the door to uh, to the other team instead of keeping control he said it twice just on the verge just on the verge of doing something doing something yeah. good uh, as if that is that is a checkbox uh, you know we did we did it right because we we're just on the verge but I have to wonder in three on three overtime, Shouldn't you always just be on the verge of of of, uh, of finishing it? And yeah. and and that's not good enough. It's it's the teams that finish, <laughs> the teams that end it, the teams yeah. that go beyond that verge and complete the task. Uh, that's that's where I'd I'd have my little quibble with Dom Ducharme, that being on the verge of doing something is the condition you should always be in. That isn't something you strive for. You strive no. for the next step in finishing, yeah. ending it, getting a win in overtime. Um, I I thought that was that was rather revealing uh, his particular uh, message there. Yeah, and it, it's it's frustrating to watch because when you think of three on three overtime, it's supposed to be you think of it as being, and it has been the first couple of years, freewheeling, and and you've seen more and more of the teams that are okay. Let's maintain possession. Let's do it that way. And you'll circle and circle and circle until something presents itself. And that's what the Montreal Canadiens have done. And it hasn't felt like they've been threatening that much. Uh, And, you know, even though he says that they were on the verge of doing something, I mean, you have the puck, but if you're not in a threatening area to do something with it, then it's not really going to end well for you. (laughs) And that's what we've seen. They had an opportunity. Uh, Josh Anderson had an opportunity on a breakaway against the Canucks, uh, but he didn't, he wasn't able to get it done. And then they come back and they score. It's just a little bit frustrating to watch if they are on the verge of doing something. It isn't actually threatening the opposition in a way that they're in positions where they can score. That's the part of it that is becoming frustrating is that, yeah, they might have this plan and they might be on the verge of it. But it's still it's it's a long way to actually realize it. And uh, that's something that the Canadians are going to need to make an adjustment. Uh, But 
moving on because we want to get a player's perspective on this. And one of those guys that you would think would play a rather significant role in three-on-three overtime would be Nick Suzuki. And here he touches on their strategy. Yeah, it's obviously not going to help us, but uh, if we get in these situations again, uh, coming down the stretch, uh, something's got to change. And I don't know if we're in our heads about it. Obviously, uh, Andy had that breakaway, which was really close and then came down and the guy went around me. So everyone has to do better in overtime to get those wins. He said two things. I th- he said two things that Dom Ducharme did not say. He said, we've all got to be better. And he said, something's got to change. Uh, and I think, I think there's polar opposites happening there, happening there with, uh, Dom Ducharme, who is absolutely stubborn and steadfast in his plan. No, this, I've mapped it out on paper. This is going to work, damn it. Uh, I'm going to keep, <laughs> I'm going to keep, uh, with this. And, and listen, uh, t- to his credit, when he explains it, sounds great. Sounds yeah. great. Uh, the, his, 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 uh, plan is that he sends Philip Deneau out, um, to get, gain possession and, uh, that with, uh, uh, Deneau and Byron and Petrie in that first, uh, uh, trio, uh, their job is to gain possession, tire out the opposition. He throws on the, the scores, uh, next and, 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 uh, that's, that's his strategy, which is great. It sounds wonderful. I understand yeah. it. It's clear as a bell, except it hasn't worked at all. No. Yeah. Um, and part and part of it is that uh, out of the four the last four times that Phil Deneau has been out there, he's lost three of the draws, um, uh, the opening draws. So that his Descharmes plans blown out of the water right away. Uh, last, including last night, he lost the draw by some uh, by a giveaway. Uh, he lost the draw. Besser got it. Besser gave it away, and and the Canadians got possession. So eventually they got they got it. But yeah, um, it 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 what it, it didn't go according to plan. And and um, I think that that Dom Descharmes got to sit down and do some self reflection. Yes, this sounds good. Yes, this is. Uh, this is makes sense in theory, uh, but it's not working out, and he needs to adapt. I think he needs to adapt to to, to recognize the reality that uh, when Paul Byron is your most used forward in in uh, in overtime, which he is, he has two goals on the season, and the other guy out with him to start uh, overtime also has two goals. Yeah, it's. Look, even if the plan is to get possession of the puck right off the bat, what do you do with it when you get it? And if you're just going to circle around and try to tire out your opponents, I mean, it's a dangerous game to play because every other team, they have their game breakers out there. They have the guys that when the open, when the ice is open, they have some opportunities to make a play that they're going to make them. And that's what happened against the Jets yeah. in that 4-3 to three loss, right? The, the game breakers were out there for the Winnipeg Jets, and they broke the game open. They ended it. So that's the part of it. So here you talk about the strategy that Dominic Ducharme is currently employing. Let's hear it from Dominic Ducharme himself. Well, you got to look at everyone's uh, strength, and I think um, our offensive guys are are smart, uh, good hands, and so on. They, they don't beat they don't beat guys with pure speed. They they build things together. So 
do I want the Foley, the Hawaii, and let's say whatever uh, Anderson starting and and not having the puck and having to defend and waste energy there before they finally get the puck and they need to change. So, you know, I thought I thought you know everything was fine and we get the breakaway, and then from there it's overtime and we uh, we got beat beat on the next play. So I don't think it. I don't think it comes from where the way we started. So he's not he's not taking his strategy is solid according to Dom Ducharme and and he talked about the breakaway. Uh, Nick Suzuki talked about the breakaway. Uh, we have to mention we have to be honest that Josh Anderson. The only reason he got that breakaway was interference by uh, Jonathan Duran that was yeah. uncalled and and uh, had Josh Anderson scored. That's the whole league would have been talking about that that interference that sprung Anderson. Um, the other thing in in those comments, he uses a bit of a straw man argument in saying. Uh, well, if I put Toffoli and Druan and Anderson together um, to start, well, you don't have a face-off guy there. Um, and, and um, you know, he, he throws out uh, Deneau as his, his uh, better face-off guy, but the margins are pretty close uh, this season. Both Suzuki and Deneau uh, are very close as far as uh, overall uh, face-off success. Uh, last night Suzuki was was fine. Kakinyemi was great uh, last night yeah. too. He could have been out there, um, but there doesn't seem to be a, a, a willingness or or an openness uh, to doing that. Um, I just think that that when it's failed this many times, you have to say, um, okay, I trust my plan, but my plan is is uh, is not working. Um, I've got to adapt. I, I've got to do something different. Yeah, and it stands at 0-9. I mean, it just, you need to try something else. Like, it's gotten to the point now where you're 0-9 on the season in overtime in the shootout. And that should be, like, it should be 50-50. Like, when you get to overtime in the shootout, you have an opportunity. And in a shootout, for as many times the Canadians have been in one, that is the definition of, you know, like, it could go either way. It's it, You don't know, right? It's, it's a 50-50 thing. How you've not gotten a win in any of the shootouts that you've been involved in is beyond me. So that's the part of it. You had two against Vancouver and one against Ottawa. Like you should probably be able to get a couple of those shootouts. But anyways, I digress. It's 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 all stands to reason that there do need there needs to be adjustments made here. And, and whether there, or not there yeah. has to be an ounce of real reality. Um, yeah. You know, Dom Descharmes talked about. Uh, you know, we're just on the verge, and he's he's already written that 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 ending in his mind, but it didn't happen. Yeah. Last night, he said in, in a clip we didn't play. Um, Listen, if Anderson scores, you guys are writing us stories about what a character team we are and coming back, and but that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, it sounds great, and and yes, we would. Uh, be talking about that but it didn't happen and it hasn't happened in in nine games and it hasn't happened uh, over the the course of the last three years and the one thing about that is too is that when you've done this now it's two straight games and I talked about this being a bit of a similar story the Winnipeg game and the Vancouver game if you leave it to the third period to try to claw yourself back in games in the moment it's impressive and it should be commended 
but over the season, right? Like that takes it out of you a little bit. If you That's constantly right. have to roll the boulder up the mountain type of thing, it takes it out of you as you go on. You need to have a more consistent over a more consistent effort over the 60 minutes in order to be a successful team. And it's all fine and dandy to say, well, look, we clawed back, we showed character. That weighs on you. You know, you only have so many of those and then it starts to get off the rails a little bit and you might not be able to get yourself back in games and get that get that point out of it, right? Like that's the part of it that I think we all need to sort of uh, pay attention to going forward. But Nick Suzuki says that the Canadians need to be better in, in overtime and we'll see if that, if that uh, fixes itself, if the Canadians do make some adjustments. But Rick... We'll take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Still to come, we're going to be looking at Mark Bergevin's uh, midseason press availability. So we'll get to some of uh, the audio out of that. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, this week we have the mid-season availability uh, media availability from Mark Bergevin, and I was saying to you before the show, it doesn't even feel that long ago, uh, we had the quarter season availability from Mark Bergevin, yeah. and here we are at the mid-season mark, um, and that is the life of a condensed season. But Rick, of course, as time has gone on, there are different questions that were being asked, this availability, because of course, changing circumstances, things change all the time. And one of those things was was Ben Sherrod, so he'll touch on that. He'll touch on trade deadlines, some cap issues, prospects, playoffs, and uh, the changes that he's seen under Dominique Ducharme. So 
we'll, we'll begin with the question that we sort of posed earlier in the show. And we'll, we'll simply ask Mark Bergevin, uh, will you be shopping for a replacement for Ben Chirot? No, I'm not. Uh, Ben's not long-term. He'll be back, uh, you know, we said six to eight weeks, so probably going to be closer to six, hopefully. And then we have to be careful because uh, spending his money, knowing he's coming back, we'll have to re-enter in our, in our, in our, in our team, so we'll need a cap space. So uh, that really doesn't change anything for us. We're just really tight against the cap. Nope, that's pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to go out and look for a replacement uh, for Ben Sherratt. Uh He expects him to be back in the regular season, which means uh, that there are cap considerations. The Canadians still very tight against the cap. Uh, so uh, pretty clear there from Mark Bergevin that the injury to Ben Sherratt doesn't change anything in his mind going forward. Yeah, and that that's that's part of it all, right? Is the Canadians and you see the cap management day by day. It started with the, you know, Suzuki and Kotkaniemi and Romanoff all sort of going down in the taxi squad doing it that way, and now you've seen it with bigger uh, parts of money of this Canadians team with Paul Byron going out on waivers. It, they're doing whatever they can to maintain some level of flexibility. So yeah, it's it's difficult to uh, to see them involved in any uh, in any trades, but the other part of it is with this season Another wrinkle that's been added is if you do make a trade, then you're trading for players who may have to quarantine once they once they arrive. You don't get them right away. So Mark Bergevin touched on that as well. Well, 14 days is a long time to uh, to not have a player. So you 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 give up you know whatever you give up, and you have you know it could be six seven games without the player. So we're hoping it goes down, but as right now it's not. Could be any day, could be a week, could be ten days. Uh, that could help. But again, for us, and I, I, it goes back to how we manage our cap. Make sure we, if we do get somebody, it's going to be very tricky. So that remains to be seen. So he said, we hope it goes down. And he's referring there to the Canadian clubs lobbying the government to reduce the 14-day quarantine to 10 days, to 7 days. Uh, still, uh, whatever it is, if they're getting a, a player from uh, across the border, there will be a quarantine involved. And it, it didn't sound like Mark Bergevin was uh, too excited about that. It, it, it's funny because Mark Bergevin uh, had his midseason availability, but so did all the other uh, GMs. And I listened to many of them in the uh, in the Canadian division. And you had Kevin Chevel day off with the Jets, and of course he's already experienced that with a, yeah. uh, a Pierre Luc Dubois coming in and having to quarantine. And he said, uh, for him, uh, it doesn't make an effect. It, it, it's not. Uh, it's something that he takes into account. If the deal's right, you do the deal. Uh, that that those were his words. Um, but for Mark Bergevin, he's approaching it very differently. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's for Kevin Dayoff, I think, as well. It's a different situation given the fact the strength of the team that they have granted. I mean, of course, you look at the blue line as well. The blue line maybe not as strong as you'd like it to be, so maybe that's why he's leaving it open, leaving the door open and saying, well, we can sort of get through it if we need to. Uh, but yeah, it is it is a bit of a, a bit of time to wait for a guy. If you go out and make a deal, you don't get him right away, and that might be something that is a little bit more valuable to the Canadians given where they are in the standings. Uh, at the moment. Uh, but Rick, there was also the question of, okay, will you trade a player for a pick to free up cap space? I mean, there's the question all the time about attaching, you know, uh, you know, the Yoel Armia one is the guy that gets mentioned a lot as you get that from basically, you know, having a pick and, and, and you, you trade away 
dead money, so to speak. Like there's always that aspect of it. That's 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 a conversation that often exists around trade deadline periods and such. But Mark Bergevin talked about that here. Yeah, I mean, it's not something out of the question, but I mean, I'm not going to say any names. I leave that to you guys, but I like the players we have. They're all useful players. They all have their roles. So for me to give up a pick, take on a player that we do like and get another asset to get another player, it's just, you know, you're going sideways. So uh, we don't have any uh, dead money on our roster that I like to move. So that for that, that my answer to that is no. So uh, no to that too. Although yeah. um, he said going sideways, I don't I don't know what he, he's referring to there because he used it quite effectively. He has used that 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 uh, tool in the past and and it worked quite well. Uh, could you? Uh, I would. I I have no interest in seeing Arturi Lekkonen uh, traded from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I agree with with uh, Bergevin that he would be one of the the very players that he likes and is useful um but he's not being used um no. right now so uh could you take money off uh the salary cap and get a pick back for a player like that and help your your help yourself could you do it with byron could you do it with victor meta um uh, I, I know he, he considers Victor Mate a, a good seventh defenseman, but uh, when Victor Mate has been brought into the lineup, he hasn't been able to handle the role that they've given him. So uh, any of these players, w- would, you, would you be better off? Would you be helping your organization if you were able to knock some money off the cap and, and, and get a, a, a pick in return? Or, 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 or incentivize that by, yeah. by, by giving a pick? Um, um, I, 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 I wonder about that. I wonder if, if this is a case of Bergevin not wanting to reveal his cards. Yeah, I mean, it could be. And I mean, we, we often hear, we remember when Brian Burke was a part of the Sportsnet crew, he would marvel at the amount of trades that Mark Bergevin makes. So he's not somebody that's afraid to make moves, but uh, you, you would get the impression that perhaps at the current moment in time, his hands are tied a little bit given the Canadian's cap situation. But to trade a guy for a pick to free up a little bit of money, that could be an avenue they go down, or as you said, incentivize it in some other way uh, to get a team to take on um, one of your contracts as well. It's all, it's all very convoluted at the moment, but Rick, uh, we'll move on because the one thing that you wonder is given the fact that you talk about the Canadians not having bench rod and potentially you want to have somebody come in uh, to step into that role and maybe move some pieces around uh, and, and see exactly what works. Is a guy like Kale Fleury, is he a possibility as a temporary replacement? Yeah, I mean it's possible. He, you know, he needs to play some games. He uh, he was here for early on this year, which on the taxi squad he didn't play, and then we sent to Laval for that reason. So it's good for him to play some hockey. But yeah, he's still a pretty good prospect for us. A pretty good prospect is not a ringing endorsement of some no. guy that you're going to come in, bring in, um, and uh, and rely on uh, as you go down the the. The playoff stretch. I think he's right in that that Cal Flurry, unfortunately, hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last year and uh, and needs some mileage. Um, but it's it's unfortunate to see that 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 he's not necessarily uh, someone they think uh, could fulfill that role. And and uh, it goes back to what we talked about in the first segment uh, that maybe Jordan Harris is that piece rather yeah. than Cal uh, Flurry. 
And the, 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 the thing that I look at is, I mean, if he is coming in the lineup, who is he going to play with? If he's on the right side, unless you're playing him on his opposite side, it doesn't really make sense to do that. The guy that he's going to play with is Alexander Romanov. And is that a pairing that you really mm. want to see? I, I don't know if it is. So that's the reason why I think you might have a little bit of trepidation about doing it. But I do like Kale Fleury, and I think that I think he was given a little bit of given the short end of the straw last year with the way that his situation was handled. I thought he played fine for the most part uh, to begin last season. Of course, he like any rookie had a little bit of a hit a wall a little bit, had some issues in figuring out the game. But but that happens. Um, but I, I really think that it's not it's not a ring endorsement as you said to say he's a pretty good prospect for us. I think that Kale Fleury's got a lot of potential here to fill out as an NHL player. So. Uh, hopefully he gets to do that and, and get some games under his belt. But speaking of prospects, Rick, uh, we can't have this conversation about prospects without bringing in uh, Cole Caulfield into the mix because, of course, uh, we have to do that. And uh, how has Cole Caulfield improved this season, according to Mark Bergevin? I've watched games where his, 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 uh, his game without the puck, his commitment without the puck, took the biggest step for me. He's always been a goal scorer. Uh, you know, he's got that. Uh, you know, like last night we saw Cal Connor, those type of players where they need that, just that one chance and it's in the back of the net. So that's always been there. But I, I've seen a clip. I remember watching him and then he lost the pocket. They lost the pocket, the blue line. He was the first guy back and he lifted the guy's stick, you know, so he just, I think his game without the puck has improved a lot. Oh, he made that comparison that you warned against. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and listen, Kyle Connor, wow, if you could get a player in like that, uh, a Cole Caulfield is a different player than, than, Kyle, Co- than uh, Kyle Connor. Uh, maybe the, the shot, the release, uh, the accuracy is probably similar. Uh, Kyle Connor is a much better skater than Cole Caulfield. Statu- his stature is much different. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Connor is 6'1", 80, 185. Uh, Cole Caulfield is 5'6", ish 160-65 on yeah. a good day. A much different player. Um, uh, Cole Caulfield has made uh, a commitment, um, and and Tony Granato, his coach in Wisconsin, has has uh, really drummed it into him to be a more complete player, uh, to be effective uh, all over the ice. He's he's not going to be a great defensive player. He's not going to be a physical player. Uh, but he's got a really good stick, and and that's what he uses on the defensive side of the puck. Um, you know, is he going to have trouble with the size in the NHL? Well, so far we've seen him uh, be quite uh, agile and elusive and avoid hits, uh, and so he'd need to continue to do that. He's really smart. He'll find the the soft areas to be able to set up and and uh, release that shot. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch this transition, but uh, yeah. according to Mark Bergevin, uh, he's he's uh, really happy with the improvements he's made in his game over the past year. Yeah, and I mean, look, there's, there's a lot to like with Cole Caulfield, and I understand why you look at a guy that has turned out, went on down a similar path. I mean, Kyle Connor went down a, a similar path as Cole Caulfield did. So I understand the 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 wanting to compare him <laughs> you know to the guy like that but yeah it sets the bar really high so let's just enjoy let's see what Cole Caulfield is and enjoy it for what it is uh, but Rick we'll move on because the question is and I think this is the key question because one of the last times we heard from Mark Bergevin was the firing of a head coach and the uh, the naming the uh, the appointment of an interim head coach in uh, in Dominique Ducharme so 
How has the team improved under Dominique Ducharme, according to Mark Bergevin? I think our special special teams overall have improved, even though uh, we don't score all the times on our power play. But I, I I find more more engaged. We're more we have some looks. We we control the puck more. I see some good things. I think our goalies are you know on, on top of their games now, and uh, I like to see what uh, Dom's going to do with our team for the second half of the season. So that's what I like going in the playoffs. I think that's fair that uh, yeah. I, when he talks about special teams, I don't know if we've seen a, lot, a large improvement in the, the penalty kill, but certainly on the power play. Yes. Um, and and I know that, that uh, a lot was said about uh, Kirk Muller. Would Kirk Muller have uh, wanted different changes uh, under a different coach, under a different head coach? I think uh, Claude Julien kind of restricted uh, the the structure of of the power play and and insisted things follow his form, uh, so now with a bit more uh, free reign, uh, Alex Burrows has come in and and uh, implemented a system that fits the team, that features Shea Weber, uh, that tries to open up lanes for him, uh, but that that has that uh, ability to use different options uh, down low. Yes. And I think I think he's. I think uh, Bergevin is dead on uh, saying that, that that's been uh, the biggest notice, noticeable change um, under uh, Dom Ducharme. Well, and it looks like there's a method to everything that's happening. It looks like they are surveying. It looks like they are actually trying to open up their opponent and, and try to create something. And we've seen, and I think the perfect example of it was the first goal last night from, from uh, Corey Perry, where you see him go around as if he's going to do that play to Brendan Gallagher that we've seen so many times, and he sees the defenseman go down, puts it back to the point, and then the defense is compromised a little bit. You can get a shot on net, and there's Corey Perry to bang home the rebound. They are, they're being a little bit more deliberate. There isn't this force-feeding back to the point with a guy right there on the boards for the opposition to dump it down the ice after he cuts it off, right? Like, that's the part of it that has been intriguing to watch is that it looks like they are surveying, they're aware of what their options are, there are more options presented to them because uh, there's more support available to the puck mover. So overall, I think, yeah, you've seen a lot of improvement under Dominic Ducharme on the power play, as you said. Penalty kill, eh, you know, it's still basically, you're using the same components of a penalty kill. I don't know how much you can really change. Uh, if, the guys, if the guys aren't killing the penalty, they're not killing the penalty. And, and it's not like uh, much strategy can really be, uh, be adjusted with that. But regardless, um, it is what it is. And I think that the, the penalty kill has been an issue and may continue to be. But the power play, at the very least, has uh, been much better under Dominic Ducharme. Of course, uh, he did not really mention overtime and the shootout <laughs> in that but uh yeah it, it, overall i think that is a pretty fair assessment of how things are going uh and rick we'll move on to the uh, final quote that we have here from mark bergervan are his ex- expectations still high for the season it did not change it's uh i mean it's a tough league it's it's every night it's a battle and I expect the same down the road so you know we have to make the playoff i feel we have a team to make the playoff and then once we get in, you know, I feel that, you know, anything's possible. It's like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's it comes down to one. I call it a one goal league. Every night's a one goal league. It's either last night's a one goal game. Really it's an empty net. So every night, you know, that's what it is. So, you know, I mean, Price, Sir, Jake, top of their game. We're, we're pretty good in net, you know, and we're, we're up there with the best in the league. And I like our team. I mean, uh, our, 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 our young players are keep progressing. Yeah. They have some, you know, little, uh, 
peaks and valley, but that's part of being a young young players. But they care and they want to do well. So yeah, we have a high expectation for ourselves. So he still has high expectations, and he calls it a one goal league. And he's looking at it that uh, we should be good in that situation because our goaltending is great. Okay, no no argument there. But you have to finish in in one goal games. You have to have. Uh, 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 supportive uh, 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 goal scoring uh, in in uh, in a one goal league, and how is his team performing in a one goal league that he that he calls it? Well, uh, the Canadians are now two and eleven in one goal decisions uh, this season, um, and um, so you know those are the kinds of stats that I wish he would pay attention to yes it yeah okay we'll agree it's a one goal uh, league but you, you have to win uh, and uh, when you look back to um, uh, the, the record uh, on on overtime it's zero and, and nine the only team that hasn't won a, yeah. a game we know that uh, but when you look at it it's uh, the Canadians uh, you have to go back to t- uh, 29-10 for the most overtime and shootout losses in the team's first 30 games. Um, so this is, and, and as I, I said before, uh, it, this goes back a couple of years. So, um, you know, I, 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 he's always said this, just get into the playoffs and anything yeah. can happen. But you need to get there first. And secondly, once you're there, you're going to need a lot more depth. You're going to need scoring to come from all kinds of different places. You're going to need to defend really well. Um, and it's not just a, a roll the dice and anything can happen. I think, uh, as we saw last year with Tampa Bay, um, even the good have to get better to survive uh, yep. the Stanley Cup playoffs. Absolutely. And and yeah, when you it was it was funny to hear that quote, because that's something that we have often heard from Mark Bergevin. That has been the philosophy is you get to the playoffs and you just see what sort of happens there. And look, we understand that the playoffs are unpredictable. And you mentioned Tampa Bay. And we saw that there was a couple of years ago where the Columbus Blue Jackets upset, swept the Tampa Bay Lightning out of the first round of the playoffs. And everyone was like, oh, well, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They choked. There's it was it's deeper than that. Like the Columbus Blue Jackets that year were not a regular wild card team. They they weren't. They they just weren't. They made the additions at the deadline. They got Matt Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle. They made moves to supplement their talent core, which by the way, a lot of it is still there. Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, they have so much talent. Cam Atkinson. And then you go and you get those guys. You already you had Artemi Panarin and, and Sergei Bobrovsky. That is not a regular wild card team. So that was not a team that was just like, well, let's get to the playoffs and see what will happen. They forced they forced it. They they knew they needed to get to the playoffs that year and they made it happen. And that's the part of it for me is you rarely see, you know, yeah, upsets happen, but not like that. Not that not, not like that very often. And we saw, I know, with Montreal upsetting Pittsburgh and there was all the conversation about, well, you had to have it as a best 3 out of 5 instead of a 2 out of 3 because Carey Price can make the difference and he ended up making the difference but that is in the strategy when you get to the playoffs you can't just say okay we have Kerry price let's see what this let's see let's roll the dice and see what happens you need more than that and it was very clear that when the columbus blue jackets made those moves they knew they needed more than just say okay we have our timmy panarin and sergey bobrovsky let's roll the dice and see what happens they made it happen they did that themselves so that's the part of it for me it was it was interesting to hear because we knew that at some point 
when everything was going good, you didn't hear the, okay, we'll, we'll get to the playoffs and see what happens. You know, there was a lot of conversation about playoffs as being a sure thing. Now it's not that way anymore. So Bergevin fell back on the old faithful. Let's get to the playoffs and see what happens. But as you said, it's not a sure thing right now. Vancouver is one point back and uh, Calgary. Calgary is two points back. So it's not a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination right now for the Montreal Canadiens. So it's uh, it's getting dicey. And uh, Corey Perry talked about going out and proving that they're as good as they think they are. Well, now it's just about that time that you have to do that. So, Rick, uh, with that said, I think we've we've touched on everything from the Mark Bergevin uh, midway midseason review uh, availability with the media. So we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Stay with us here as we wrap it up in the third segment. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 128 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, it's been quite the show. We've unpacked a lot of things here uh, in the last hour or so. Uh, Talked about the overtime strategy, talked about Mark Bergevin uh, in his midseason review, his assessment of his team. Uh, is there anything else that uh, we need to get to? Well, you know, we haven't we haven't heard uh, for a while from uh, we we hear all the time, I should say, uh, from our our readers, our listeners, 
uh, who are uh, who reach out to us uh, on social media, who reach out to us by text. Um, and this week, uh, and 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 I tend to interact with them uh, on both uh, social media. Uh, email. Uh, we hear from our, our dear friend Dino all the time, but this is a new person who um, I had some uh, uh, back and forth with uh, this week, and uh, sent a message, and and uh, she wanted to be sure that this was read this week. So I'm going to take the wheel here for a minute, and um, okay, and read this uh, this message that came in. Happy birthday, Joseph. We are really proud of all of your accomplishments, and we really hope that this second pandemic birthday treated you well. We are proud and inspired by your determination. Love from Mom, Dad, Sarah, and Tristan. Uh, (laughs) Ah. Well, that's a very nice surprise. Uh, That is, that's tremendous. Uh, It was definitely, as you said, a different... The last two birthdays have been uh, relatively tame. Uh, fortunately, we've been uh, been able to at least be amongst each other. My sister and and uh, last year her husband was there. Unfortunately, he was not able to attend this year. But yeah, uh, that's 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 really cool. So I'll have to uh, have to mention that I that I really do appreciate that Exch- to them. But yeah. yeah, exchange some messages with your sister Sarah, and she wanted to be sure that. Uh, Got that on the air, and, and and listen, this this is a little bit of a different, uh, maybe a different uh, birthday. In that next year, uh, yeah. where will you be on your birthday? We don't know. Uh, will you yeah. be in Toronto? And and uh, we're excited for your new opportunity there. Uh, but this uh, this year, you're in Newfoundland, and so yeah, um, you know, I wasn't going to sing Happy Birthday for no. for you, but you're in Newfoundland, <laughs> so hopefully this will. Uh, help uh and and next year we don't know but but this year um maybe this will make you feel good maple boys of liverpool i'll have oh. you to beware <laughs> when you sell in them packet ships no dungaree jumpers wear but have a good monkey jacket already to your hand for there blows some cold nor'westers on the banks of Newfoundland. We'll scraper and we'll scrubber with holy stone and sand. For there blows some cold nor'westers on the banks of Newfoundland. Now I wish I understood That's some of it, but <laughs> I thought we'd add that for uh, oh, for man. your birthday. The she the, the sea shanty has been so popular. The banks of Newfoundland is probably one of the best ones there is. So I appreciate that. And yeah, as you said, it is a different birthday next year. I'll likely be in uh, in Toronto and probably listening to a good few sea shanties just to probably uh, try to get uh, some semblance of, of home. But uh, <laughs> but Rick, thank you for that. That was that was awesome. I really appreciate that. And yeah, as I said, I'll have to uh, uh, to send. Uh, to uh to tell my parents and my sister that i appreciated them sending along that message as well uh for my birthday uh that was that was really neat but uh rick in addition to that so as we touched on the uh, we touched on top of the show is my birthday and then the beginning of march madness uh but we do have something else because so we talk about thpn the promo code thpn that you use with DraftKings, as we touched on with the march madness uh survivor pool that they have on uh, DraftKings, but there's a different podcasts that will be coming out from THPN that uh, features an NHL legend. 
Well, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network has uh, podcasts for for every team in uh, the NHL and 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 a little bit more because there's about fifty podcasts. Uh, in total, we have three of those in the Canadians Connection. This one, uh, we've told you before that the the Press Zone has split now into two independent podcasts: the Press Zone Montreal and the Press Zone Philadelphia. Uh, both of those come out every Tuesday, and there's a new offering. Uh, in fact, it's not out yet. Uh, it's coming out in uh, in April, and it features uh, Darren Ravel. He's a sports business guy. Uh, I saw him talking about the the uh, Montreal cryptocurrency ad, uh, very first in the NHL. Uh, Eric Kuzin, uh, he's a sports professional and mental health advocate, and former NHLer uh, Theron Fleury. And um, this podcast coming out in in uh, April is called. We're all a little crazy, and um, it, it's going to focus on sports and mental health, which is a very important uh, conversation for us all. And I'll, I'll just give you a little promo of what you might expect from We're All a Little Crazy. Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're All a Little Crazy. We're All a Little Crazy is brought to you by the Same Here Global Mental Health Movement and the Hockey Podcast Network. This is NHL great mental health advocate and member of the Same Here Alliance, Theo Fleury. This is 20-year professional sports executive, mental health advocate, and founder of the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement, Eric Cusin. This is Darren Ravel, sports business insider, mental health advocate, and founder of the Same Here Influencer Alliance. We're so afraid as a society to rip the Band-Aid off the topic in a real way Anytime you open up about something that's controversial or taboo, the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And that's why we're doing this. We don't mind being the ones getting bloodied. We put our stories out there well before it was a thing to do for a reason. Because as much as they're extreme examples of how far you can fall, they show everyone the challenging life experiences impact everyone, even those of us who have reached the top of our competitive industries. The issue in media today, traditional media and social media, we are so quick to look for simple answers, simple explanations. We want everything wrapped in a bow. But this topic is messy. The nuances need to be explained. Yeah, it needs real, long-form conversation like this. I'm just thrilled that we can be real with people and address the current events happening in this space in real time and set the record straight. More talk happening doesn't mean it's helping the conversation move forward. The words we use matter. We have the greatest mental health awareness in the history of our planet, and yet the mental health trends and outcomes are awful. It means the current messages aren't working. Find me a person who hasn't faced trauma in their lives. Anyone. You can. Things have affected all of us. It's why we all say we are all a little crazy in our own unique ways. This topic isn't for one in five of us with mental illness. It's for five in five whose mental health has been impacted. This isn't an athlete issue. It's not a musician issue. It's a societal one. This is the greatest epidemic of our time. No, it's not about stopping any stigma. It's about us all saying same here. Our openness and the commonality in our struggles, that's what erodes stigma better and faster than any campaign telling people to stop anything ever will. Available on all podcast apps 
do us a favor and download each episode before you listen. And if you're an Apple user, please rate and review the podcast as it helps us get these important conversations out to reach a larger audience. What an interesting concept for a podcast yeah. and very timely. I love Theron Fleury's um, quote there where he said, this topic isn't for one in five people who are experiencing it. It's for five in five people yeah. who, who have been impacted by mental health. And this isn't a topic to be talked about or recognized uh, once a year, uh, you know, by tweeting and whatnot. It's, yeah. it's an ongoing discussion. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, the Canadians Connection has been asked to to help uh, promote, help uh, launch with the with our partners at the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're thrilled to do so. Uh, and we're going to have uh, we're going to have uh, uh, one or two of these hosts on uh, in the upcoming shows because uh, it's 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 really important. And uh, we hope that uh, you're going to listen. You're going to listen to the Canadians Connection, but you're going to listen to this once it's launched. They they had a little tip in there that that maybe we'll borrow. Um, if you're listening on Apple, could you rate and review us too? That yeah. would really help us. <laughs> and and if we can get the word out, then we can help. Uh, we're all a little crazy. Do the same and get the word out for them. Absolutely, and yeah, as you said, it was a, it's a, a worthy conversation, one that we need to have not just once a year, but all the time. It needs to be. Uh, at the forefront uh, of society um and rick yeah uh, that'll be a very interesting listen once that launches so be be sure to check that out but rick uh, for the upcoming week for the montreal canadians uh they play the vancouver canucks tonight then they uh start a three-game set embark on a three-game set with the edmonton oilers connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl we haven't seen them in a while so it'll be interesting to see how the habs stack up against uh, those two and uh, we know how potent they are offensively. So that is going to be a very, very interesting series psst, against the Edmonton psst, Oilers. Psst, huh? I got a secret. Hi. There's a secret that really? only the people who are listening will know about. Remember a couple weeks ago we had a bonus episode to tee up the Vancouver series with our, our, our friends Isha and Dylan? We got another bonus episode. Uh, that we're recording tomorrow that's going to tee up this three-game Edmonton series. Wow. Yeah. That is, that's big. Yeah, so just for that's you big. people listening, and be sure to tell everybody else, and we'll tell everybody yeah. else too, but for now, you're the only ones that know we've got another bonus episode of the Canadians Connection coming this week that will preview uh, and talk about uh, the uh, the Edmonton series, and, and we've got the, an interesting guest coming from TSN Edmonton, so that should be a great discussion uh, that you'll be able to listen to all week long uh, while the Canadians are uh, hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Absolutely. And if you are concerned about missing that episode, if you hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you are using at the moment, you don't have to worry about that. It'll pop up in your feed and you will uh, hear that when it drops. Uh, uh, teeing up that Edmonton series that is going to be all important for the Montreal Canadiens. So it'll be very interesting uh, to see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl once again. So, Rick, we'll say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast and we will be back this time next week for another episode of the Canadians Connection podcast. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.